Praise the Lord. Or just uh, hang around with uh, Brother Rod. Nobody complains around him. So I just think we ought to. That's what he said on the video. So I think just hang around with him. Amen. 2 Corinthians this morning, chapter number 5. Book of 2 Corinthians, chapter number 5. We're going to be reading verse number 21 this morning. 2 Corinthians, chapter number 5, verse number 21. The Apostle Paul writes. Speaking of Jesus, says, For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. He made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. This morning I'm using for my subject our sin and our Savior, our sin, and our Savior. Father, we thank you today that you're in this place today. Father, I thank you, Lord, that even though all of us have sinned, but I thank you, dear Lord, that because of what you did for us upon the cross, we can have redemption, we can have forgiveness for our sin. God, I just pray today, if there's anyone here with sin in their life, they will repent today, they will come to you today. Lord, the blood of Jesus will cleanse from all sin today. For the glory of God, we celebrate our Savior today and what you did for us on the cross. And we praise you for it in Jesus' name. All of God's people said, praise the Lord. You may be reseated this morning. Well, as I've already said, I'm using for my subject today our sin and our Savior. I've got good news and I've got bad news. The good news is our Savior. The bad news is our sin. Let's look at our sin for just a few moments this morning. Our sin, Romans 3 and 23 says that all have sinned and have fallen short of the glory of God. How many of us have sinned? All of us have sinned. All of us today have sinned. All of us have failed God at some time or other in our life. And besides all of that, all of us was born in sin. There are four attributes this morning or byproducts of sin that I'd like to talk about today. Let me suggest, first of all, this morning about sin, that sin separates. It separates. Isaiah 59 and 2 says, Your righteousness have separated you. Have what? Have separated you. Your, your iniquities, your iniquities have separated you from your God. And your sins have hidden His face from you so that He will not here. Unconfessed and unforgiven sin will separate man from God. Let me tell you this morning, you're simply fooling yourself if you think that you can run with the world and walk with God at the same time. And I believe there are a host of people today that believe that they can do whatever they want to, live their life any way that they want to. They can run with the world all week long and then they can come into the house of God and walk with God at the same time. Let me tell you, if you think that, you're fooling yourself or you're allowing the devil to fool you if you believe that God is simply going to turn his head away and ignore or wink at sin in your life. Jesus said in Matthew 15 and 8, uh, These people draw near to me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. Let me read that again. Jesus said, These people draw near to me with their lips, and yet their heart is far from me. I'm, I'm afraid that too many people come to church and they raise their hands and they sing, He is Lord, He is Lord, He is risen from the dead, and He is Lord, and yet He is not Lord at all. 
Too many people in church just go through the motions of serving God, but in reality, they are far away from God. The psalmist said in Psalm 66 and 18, he said, If I had not confessed the sin in my heart, the Lord would not have listened. Friend, when we have known unconfessed and unforgiven sin in our life, listen, the only prayer that God is going to hear from us is the prayer of repentance. I want to say that again this morning. When we have known unconfessed and unforgiven sin in our life, you can pray all you want to. You can worship all you want to. You can sing all you want to. But when we have known unconfessed and unforgiven sin in our life, the only prayer that God is going to listen to, the only prayer that God is going to hear from us is the prayer of repentance. Only after repentance do we then have access to God. Jesus said in Matthew 7 and 21, he said, not everybody that says to me, Lord, Lord, is going to enter into the kingdom of heaven. You may say, well, then who, Lord? Oh, he, Jesus said, that does the will of my Father in heaven. And what is the will of God? It is to confess and forsake our sin. Sin was the very thing that separated man from God. In the very beginning of man in the Garden of Eden, sin, unconfessed and unforgiven, will still separate man from God. I'm telling you this morning, you can't live any way you want to. You can't do anything and everything that pleases you. You cannot live in sin and have a relationship with God. I've given you four attributes of sin. First of all, sin separates. The second thing about sin, it seizes. Sin seizes. Now to seize means to take hold of something. It means to take control of. Satan is a master promoter. He is a marketing genius. He knows how to package and promote and present sin. He knows how to paint a beautiful picture. How he makes sin look so appealing and exciting and enticing and attractive. And the Bible actually says that sin is pleasurable. There is, oh, it is appealing, it is exciting, it is attractive. The Bible says, for a season. And what the devil doesn't tell you is that sin seizes. It seizes, it attaches itself to you and becomes very demanding. He grabs a hold of you and will not let go. And before it is done with you, it will totally control you. John 8 and 34, Jesus said, I tell you the truth, everyone who sins is a slave of sin. Sin is a master. It is your owner. Sin says to the alcoholic, you will, you will give me another drink no matter what the cost. Sin says to the porno addict, you will look at pornography, sneak around, get up in the middle of the night, go to the sleaziest places if you have to, but you will feed this habit. Like a leech, I have seized you and taken hold of you and am literally sucking the very lifeblood out of you. Hebrews 12 and 1 says, sin ensnares, it traps. Something else about sin this morning. Sin shames. It shames. Jeremiah chapter 3 and verse 25 says, In shame they lie down and cover themselves with dishonor, for they have sinned against the Lord their God. Proverbs 14 and 34 says, Sin is a disgrace to any people. 
me tell you this morning, if you continue in sin long enough, sin will reduce you to shame. Recently, I was talking to an individual who had alienated himself from his family. And he said to me, I have withdrawn from my family, he said, because I am so ashamed. I am so ashamed of the things that I have done. And because of my shame, I have not wanted to be around my family. I have not wanted to be around the the people that I love. I have not wanted them to see the shape I'm in. I would not want them to see where I have come, how far I have gone to. I would not want to be around them and the things that I have done for uh, to them. Uh, because of my shame, he said, I have withdrawn myself. Let me tell you this morning, sin will shame you. David is shamed by the prophet Nathan as Nathan points his finger in David's face and says, you are the man. You're the guilty man. You're the guilty party that I've been talking about. Samson is shamed as he does the work of an ox grinding in the prison house with his eyes bored out and his supernatural strength gone. Peter is shamed as the rooster crows and reminds him of his third denial of Christ in less than 24 hours. Let me tell you this morning, sin plays no favorites. Sin protects no one. How many great men and women of God uh, do you know who once had an incredible anointing upon them, who once walked so close to God, who once had such an unbelievable, incredible ministry, and yet they have been brought down in shame by sin. And yet somehow, somehow we think it will never happen to me. Somehow we think I can get away with it. I can get caught. Somehow there are even people that believe they deserve their sin and deserve to do what they are doing. Numbers 32 and 23 says, Be sure of this, your sin will find you out. Oh, it may not be revealed today and it may not come to light tomorrow, but before it is all said and done, before it is all over, amen, your sin will be exposed and you will be brought down to shame. Oh, God is so merciful that He gives us time and He gives us space to repent and make things right and make things right. And let me tell you this morning that if we will repent and we will make things right, they will not come out, more than likely not be exposed and brought out in the open. But oh, friend, if we don't, if we don't, He will eventually allow us to be brought down to shame. And notice the last thing about sin. That is, sin seals. It seals. Unconfessed and unrepented sin will seal your eternal destiny in a horrible place place called hell. James 1 and 15 says that when sin is finished, it brings forth death. Ezekiel 18 and 20 says the soul that sinneth, it will die. Revelation 21 and 8 says the cowardly, the unbelieving, the abominable, all the murderers, sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars will have their part in the lake which burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. Hear me this morning, church. You cannot get to heaven with known, unconfessed, and unforgiven sin in your life. If you are aware of sin in your life and you are unwilling to repent of it and unwilling to forsake it, this known, unconfessed sin that you refuse to deal with will seal your immortal fate and take you straight to hell. Well, nobody talks like that anymore. Nobody preaches like that anymore. Well, it's still the truth. 
Well, I've got good news this morning and I've got bad news. The bad news, our sin. Our sin, that's the bad news. Oh, our sin and all have sinned and have come short of the glory of God. And sin will separate us from God. Sin will seize us. It will grab a hold of us. Oh, it will capture us. We will literally become slaves of sin. It will shame us. It will bring us down to the very depths. Oh, it will seal our eternal destiny. That's the bad news, our sin. Pastor, don't you have any good news this morning? Do all you have is bad news? No. Thank God I've got some good news for you this morning. Let's look at the good news this morning, our Savior. The good news is our Savior, amen? I gave you four attributes of sin. Let me give you four attributes of our Savior. First of all, let me suggest that He substitutes. He substitutes all. A substitute is one that takes the place of another. And on the cross, Jesus became our substitute. On the cross, Jesus took our place. On the cross, Jesus died in place of us. Romans 6 and 23 says the wages or the penalty of sin is death. But the gift of God, say the gift of God. Ah, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. John 3.16 said that God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son that anyone that would believe upon Him would not have to perish but would have everlasting life. The Bible teaches us that sin separated us from God. And the only way that God and man could be reunited, oh, is if sin were dealt with. The Bible says that sin demands a penalty. And the Bible says that the penalty for sin, according to God, is death. Jesus died on the cross to pay the penalty of sin in order that God and man might regain the fellowship that was severed by sin. On the cross, Jesus became our substitute. He took our place and died to pay the penalty for our sin. Isaiah 53 and 10 said, It pleased the Lord to bruise Him. He has put Him to grief when you make His soul an offering for sin. Our text said in 2 Corinthians 5 and 21, He made Him who knew no sin to become sin for us. Say for us. Oh, to become sin for us. Why? So that we might become the righteousness of God in Him. You've heard me say it a thousand times. you hear me say it a thousand and one. What we could never ever do for ourselves, God did for us when He placed the Lord Jesus Christ on the cross. Notice another attribute of our Savior this morning. Let me suggest to you that He searches. Often I hear people say, I found the Lord. Or it was June the 7th, you know, 1983, when I found the Lord. Well, listen, friend, you never found the Lord. You didn't find the Lord. He found you. Luke 19 and 10 says, Jesus said, The Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. In Luke chapter 15, one of my very favorite chapters in the entirety of the Bible, and an entire chapter, Luke 15, dedicated to our searching Savior. Jesus gives three different parables to give us a picture of this searching Savior. 
His first parable or story that he tells is about a shepherd that has 100 sheep in his flock. But as he counts the sheep, he notices that here he only has 99, that one of the sheep is missing, that one of the sheep is lost. And so the Bible says that he leaves the 99 safe in the fold and he goes after that one that is lost. And when he finds that one lost sheep, he brings it back to the fold. The second parable Jesus tells is the story of a woman that had ten coins. I I think it interesting that Jesus said the woman had the money. But Jesus tells the story of a woman that had ten coins. And yet one day as she's counting out her coins, Jesus said when she counted, she only had nine in her possession, knowing then that one of the coins is lost. She began to think back about where she had been and what she had been doing. And she realizes that the last time that she counted the coins where all ten were in her hand was when she was still in the house. That she had not left the house since the last time she counted her coins. uh, uh, Knowing and that telling her that the coin that she had lost is lost right there in her house. Oh, friend, how tragic it is that somebody could be lost right here in the house today. I said how tragic it is that somebody, oh, this morning that hears the word of the Lord, and maybe somebody that hears it week in and week out, oh, and and has heard it a thousand times, and yet though they are in the house, yet they are lost right in the house. How tragic to think that somebody here today, right here in the house of God, could be lost. How tragic to think that sitting among all of God's precious coins, one could be lost. And in the parable, Jesus says that the woman gets a lamp and she lights the lamp. And she begins to look and search through the house. And she gets a broom and she sweeps the house. And the Bible said she swept it diligently until she found the lost coin. Let me tell you this morning that I am turning on the light this morning. And I am sweeping through this house today. And I am sweeping through. And I believe the Spirit of God is sweeping through this place today thoroughly in search of one lost coin today. Yes, you're here. Yes, you're in the house. But you're lost right in the house of God. The third parable or story that Jesus tells in Luke 15 is the story of a father that has two sons. But one son walks away from the father and ends up in a far country. Far from his father the son finds himself. And perhaps this describes someone here today. Oh, maybe you're here today and there once was a day, there once was a time when you were so close to the Heavenly Father. Oh, you were so close. You had you had such intimate and sweet fellowship with the Father. At once, at one time, you had the approval and the blessing. Oh, and the presence of the Father. But you're here today and yet, and yet you were far, far removed from the Father. Perhaps like the prodigal sin has separated you from the Father and you're far from Him today. The good news is that the Son recognized how how far sin had separated Him from His Father. And He comes back home and He falls at the Father's feet and and He repents and He says, Father, I've sinned against You. I've sinned against Heaven. I'm not worthy to be a Son. 
Bible says that his father was waiting on him with open arms to forgive him and welcome him back into their family. And thus it is with our Heavenly Father today. Our Heavenly Father this morning waits here today with open arms to receive home and receive back into the family the prodigals that, that have rebelled and walked away from him. Talking to you this morning about the Savior right now. He searches for the lost. He came to seek and to save. That one that is lost. But not only does our Savior substitute and search, let me suggest that He shields. He shields. In Exodus chapter 12, the Passover was instituted. Israel was to take a perfect lamb a lamb without spot there couldn't be anything wrong it had to be a perfect lamb and they were to sacrifice or kill this lamb and they were to take some of the blood from the lamb and they were to put it on the door over the doorpost of their homes Exodus chapter 12 and verse thir- uh, Exodus chapter 12 verse 12 and 13 God said, I will pass through the land of Egypt on that night, and I will strike all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast. And against all the gods of Egypt, I will execute judgment. I am the Lord. Now the blood, the blood, what blood? The blood of that perfect spotless lamb that was placed upon the, the doorpost. Now the blood shall be a sign for you on the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, not when I see your righteousness, not when I see your goodness, not when I see your good deeds, when I see the blood, I will pass over you. And the plague shall not be on you. To destroy you when I strike the land of Egypt. This instituting of the Passover was a foreshadowing. A picture of what Jesus Christ, the Son of God, would later do for man on the cross. Jesus is that perfect lamb without spot and without blemish. Perfect in every way. And God sacrificed. He killed His own Son when He put Jesus on the cross. And the very life's blood of Jesus Christ that poured out of Him on the cross. Just as the blood of the sacrificed lamb that was placed on the doorpost of the children of Israel. Just as that blood saved them. So the blood of Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God, saves us. Hebrews 9 and 22, according to the law of Moses, nearly everything that was, everything was purified with blood. And without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sin. I'm talking about the Savior right now. He shields us all from the penalty of sin by the blood of His dear Son. 
Once again, Romans 6 and 23, the wages or the penalty of sin is death. But, 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 but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ. Our Lord, I submit to you, the gift of God is none other than the very blood of His sinless Son that shields us from the wrath of God. Oh, give the Lord a shout of praise today. Remember when you were in grade school? Some of you have to remember a long time. Remember you were in grade school. You know, little kids can be the sweetest things. They can be pretty mean too, can't they? Now, I know it wasn't this way when you were in school, but when I was in school, we always picked on one or two in the class. We marked somebody and we picked on them. Either they lived on the wrong side of the tracks or back in the day they were the wrong color. Yeah. Or, you know, maybe they were different than us. Anybody know what I'm talking about? And we marked them. They were marked. And we made fun of them. We laughed at them. We made their life miserable. Maybe that's, that person was you, maybe. And I'm so sorry if it was. And so whenever that person, no matter what it was, that we marked them for, but we would say they had cooties. And we'd see somebody in the hall, and we'd run, and we'd touch and say, You got so-and-so's cooties. Letha Bowie. That was the girl with cooties in my class. I still remember it. Forty-something years ago. Forty several years ago. <laughs> you got Letha's cooties! You got Letha's cooties! Yeah. All right, that's what we did. You got Letha's cooties. What'd you say? I got a shield on. How many remember that one? Did y'all do that? Did you put a shield on? Did you put a shield on? Did you put a shield on? Huh? You don't even understand what I'm talking about, do you? (laughs) Brad, did you put a shield on? Uh, you ran? <laughs> you got Lethus Cooties. And they say, back at I say, no, I got a shield on. I put a shield on today. And so no matter how bad Lethus Cooties are, amen, they can't penetrate me because I've got a shield on. Well, I want to tell you something this morning. That's terrible and horrible. And I feel bad about it to this day. But I want to tell you something this morning. Amen. I've got a shield on this morning. Amen. The enemy cannot get me. Amen. Sin. Amen. Cannot bring me down. Amen. God is not going to judge me today because I've got a shield on today. The blood of Jesus Christ shields me. Give the Lord a shout of praise in His house today. Hallelujah. 
Oh, I've got a shield on this morning. Satan's cooties can't get on me. Oh, the devil's cooties can't penetrate me. The blood of Jesus is my shield today. And when Satan tries to kill me and drag my soul to a devil's hell, he must pass over me. Oh, when he sees the blood, I've got a shield on. And when he tries to drag me to hell, he can't. He's going to pass over because I've got the blood that shields me today. On judgment day, on judgment day, I'm going to be passed over. Oh, I'm not going to be judged to be lost because I've got a shield on. Because the blood of God's very own Son shields me from the wrath of God. Psalm 32 and 1, Blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Oh, glory. Notice one more attribute of our Savior today. He secures. Our Savior. He secures. Now there's a doctrine that is taught in some churches called unconditional eternal security. And I need two hours to address this. But don't worry, I'm not going to address it. And this doctrine, when taken to the extreme, which most bad doctrines is because it's taken to extreme. But this doctrine, when taken to the extreme, says that once you're saved, you're always saved. And can never be lost. Even if you want to go to hell, you can't go. Because once you're in, you can't get out. It's a club that doesn't have a back door. Once you're saved, you're in. You can't do anything to lose your salvation. You can do anything, everything that you want to do. Act any way you want to. Sin as much as you want to. Taking extremes, I'm telling you, I, I, I clarified that. You can commit murder, you can commit adultery or both, and still, even while you're doing it, you're still saved, they say. You're still saved. Because nothing you do, no amount of sin, can cause you to lose your salvation. They would explain it like this, your position is different than your condition. You may look like the devil. That's your condition. But your position is salvation. You're saved. That's what they say. You might live like a sinner, but you're still a saint. We don't believe that here. Some of you might, but most of us, we don't believe that here. And I'm not going to fall out with you if you do. You're not going to teach it in my church, but I'm not going to fall out with you if you do believe that. We don't believe that here. But here, here's the problem. Here's the problem with us. In battling against the unconditional eternal security doctrine, too many have preached eternal insecurity. A lot of Pentecostals don't believe in eternal security, but boy, they believe in eternal insecurity. Well, I don't want any part of either one of them. 
The truth, I think, can be found somewhere in the middle. And it usually can. Do I believe in unconditional eternal security? Absolutely not. Do I believe we can be secure in our salvation? Absolutely yes. Well, that's contradictory. No, it's not. Listen to me. Don't have time to get into this in detail. Let me just say this. I believe as long as my faith is placed in the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross. As long as my faith is placed in the finished work of Christ on the cross. As long as I do my best to please Him and walk out my faith through obedience to Him and His Word, I'm saved. And nothing or nobody can strip that security of my salvation away from me. Well, Pastor, what if you sin? Then I repent. Let me read you one of their cardinal. The once saved, the once in grace, always in grace. Let me give you one of their key scriptures, 1 Peter 1 and 5. 1 Peter 1 and 5 says we are kept. Say kept. We're kept. Okay, how are we kept? Through faith. Say faith. We are kept. Okay, praise the Lord. Let's shout. Let's have a Jericho march. We're kept. How are we kept? Through faith. Through faith for salvation. Ready to be revealed in the last time. As long as you keep your faith, your salvation is secure. Eternal security, yes. As long as you keep your faith in what God did through Jesus Christ on the cross. As long as you keep that faith in Christ, you are eternally secure. There's a condition there, isn't it? We've got to keep the faith. That's what he said. We're kept, and he tells us how we're kept. We're kept through faith. Our faith in Jesus Christ keeps us. It secures us. As long as you keep your faith, your salvation is secure. Let me give you another twist here. Don't forget about what James said about faith. Because there's a whole lot of people living like the devil thinking they, because they shook a preacher's hand 30 years ago or because they repeated a sinner's prayer 30 years ago, they're living like the devil, but they think they're eternally secure. And I would say you can't be eternally secure unless you have faith in Jesus Christ. And they would say, I haven't lost the faith. Well, let's see what James had to say about faith. James tells us that faith is more than mental assent. Faith is more than just saying, I believe. James said in James 2 and 17, faith without works is dead. Verse 18, Jesus said, I will, uh, James said, I will show you my faith by my works. Works or our actions is proof of either dead faith or life. If you've kept the faith, there's going to be some works. 
I thought we weren't saved by works. We're not saved by works. We're saved by faith. But our faith in Jesus Christ will produce some works. It's a byproduct. Amen? I mean, you can stand my son up beside me or my daughter up beside my daughter and they can't deny us. Now, my son's a lot smaller than me and my daughter's about the same size as her mama right now. Woo! But it's pretty hard. The only time people don't think me and my son are father and son is when they think that we're brothers. And it happened the other day. My son did not like it. And when they say, are you brothers? My son will say, no, he's my grandpa. Let me tell you that when we're washed in the blood of the Lamb, amen, when God becomes our Father, there becomes some resemblance. Got to hurry. I need to be, we didn't have communion. Somebody's got to get saved first. Amen. James said, I will show you my faith by my works. Works or our actions is proof of either dead faith or live faith. James is saying, don't tell me you have faith if your works or your actions speak otherwise. Is there security in salvation? Absolutely. As long as our faith is in Jesus Christ and His finished work on the cross. As long as we have a genuine desire to serve God. And that desire will be manifested in our actions. Remember, I don't do good works in order to be saved. But I do good works because I am saved. Good works are a byproduct or natural outcome of salvation. If we get the worship team back in place very quickly this morning. We're talking about our sin and our Savior. Our sin, our sin, it separates us from God. It, it seizes us. It captures us. It, it makes us slaves to sin. It, it shames us. It seals our eternal destiny. That's the bad news. Our Savior. That's the good news. Oh, our Savior, He substitutes what we can never ever do for ourselves. God did for us when He put Jesus on the cross. He who knew no sin became sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God in Christ. Our Savior substitutes. He searches. He shields. He secures. Yes, there is eternal security. Is it unconditional? No. No. I simply say that if we have the right to get in, then we have the right to get out. If we have the right to choose or reject Christ, if we have to choose to be saved, then we can choose to be lost. I think God's grace and God's mercy is far greater than we would ever imagine or ever dream of. And I don't want to preach adamantly so much against the unconditional eternal security that we get all preaching eternal insecurity. There is security. And the security is in our faith in Jesus Christ for our salvation. Your heads are bowed and your eyes are closed. Real quickly, I don't have a lot of time this morning. I 
took a little bit too much time this morning, but we're going to give the Holy Spirit all the time that He needs to do His work today. You're here this morning under the sound of my voice, and there is sin in your life that every head is bowed, every eye is closed. Nobody is going to see this. Nobody, not even on this platform, is going to be looking. You're here today. You have sin in your life, and you need to you need to repent of that sin, and you need to forsake that sin today. You need the blood of Jesus Christ to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. If that's you today, let me see your hand in this room. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Three hands this morning. How many others this morning? How many others? How many others? I have sin in my life. I need to deal with it today. I need I need to get it under the blood. Thank you. You can put your hand down this morning. Four hands today. How many others? I have sin in my life. this prayer with me this morning. Whether you lifted your hand or whether you did not, so that those around you will not be singled out this morning. All of us pray this prayer. Heavenly Father, Your Word is true. All have sinned and fallen short of Your glory. I have sinned. I have sinned in my life right now. I know what it is. I ask you to forgive me of my sin. I ask you to wash my sin in the blood of Jesus. I'm putting my shield on today. I repent of my sin. Not only am I sorry, but I'm going to have no more part of sin. I'm going to turn from my sin. I do that today. Jesus, Jesus. Amen. Amen. If the ushers would come this morning, we're going to.